Pastor Brandon and uh, First Lady uh, have given me an opportunity to come in and to continue the conversation in Ephesians that you guys have been having. Uh, I got a chance to go online and look at some of the pastors who were here prior to me. Uh, was it Who was here last week? Was it, uh, it wasn't John Gordon, but who was it? Yes, Jordan Green. Thank you. One person who was here. You guys got great turnover like we do, right? Just one person from last week. Well, well, I, I'm grateful to continue the conversation, but I have been called to be the, the anchor leg. You know how that is, right? You ever ran track? Anybody ever ran track? The anchor leg. I'm going to run hard and I'm going to run fast. So if you got, you got slow ears, you're going to have to pick up the speed this morning because I want to make sure that I get everything that God has for me in for you today. And I've been unctioned. I want to tell you in advance. I've been unctioned by the Holy Spirit prior to even coming in that I want to do an altar call. I'm going to pray at the very end for people's endurance at the very end. At the very end, we're going to do an altar call. So, so you just prepare your hearts. I want you to think about that. I'm letting you know in advance so it won't be something mysterious that's going on. But I'm going to pray that God would do something in this place that only he can get the credit for. Amen? Let's go to God's word. How about that? Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. I know that it's your custom to stand for the reading of God's word, so if you would do that. I'm only going to read to verse 18, and I'm reading out of the NIV, and I, I know that you guys think, I think it's the ESV you normally read out of, but I think you should be able to follow along with me nonetheless, and then I'll just have you have a seat as soon as the word is, being, is finished being read. Paul says here, as he concludes his letter to the church of Ephesus, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You may be seated. December 23rd, 1776, a man by the name of Thomas Paine penned these words as he knelt down beside a, flyer, a fire flickering on the drum, the head of a drum. He wrote these words. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Did I say that? Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. Thomas Paine was writing uh, in, in hopes that his, 
His, his works, this essay, would be published, and it was published, and uh, a general by the name of George Washington uh, heard and read what was written on that battlefield on the 23rd, and as the year began to come to a close, and the, the colonists were in desperate need of a, of a victory, uh, a victory that tipped the scales in their favor over the redcoats. Tom, George Washington had had all of his other generals and other leaders within his army to read the words of Thomas Paine. The essay is much longer than, than what I read, but it was just that entry line, the first beginnings of, of this essay that talks about the idea of freedom and the cost of freedom and how we're at war for things bigger than what they may be experiencing right then on the battlefield. And it, and it, and it unctioned and spurred the general, the head general, to say that everyone needs to hear these words. And, and, and the history goes on that once the, 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 the warriors, the army men, the people who put their lives on the line, some trained, some not so trained. Those, those who, who knew how to do some things and those who didn't know how to do other things. It was, it was said that it, it tipped the scales in the favor of the colonists. That in the dead of winter, some words written in the middle of the night stirred the hearts of those who were in combat. Gave them the advantage. What we're reading here and what we're listening to in Ephesians chapter 6 is, is the general, a general, Paul, Speaking to, that's me, time out. Isn't it good to be able to edit things? So you guys are going to edit this out of there? Totally. totally. <laughs> good, good. What am I knocking up against? Is that me? Is that something loose? Do you want me to hold it? Or is it my fat roll? What is that? No. It's, no. Not, my, it's no. not my fat no, roll? It's your coat. It's my coat. Okay. <laughs> that's smart. That's a good way to say that. Not my fat roll. All right, so as long as it's not the fat roll, we're good. Sometimes I do that. I'll break an entire microphone because I'll sit down in that spare tire or just pop it right there. No. Back to where I was. Where was I at? Where was I at? No. But what I, what I was trying to say, what I'm trying to share with you is this, is that Paul, as a general of a new church, as a general of a new church trying to tip the scales in the favor of God himself, he, he has to write something. He pins something to Ephesus that we are reading now today. And, and he says, finally, like after, after I said all these things, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. These eloquent words that he says as a general speaking to his army and his, his soldiers, he says, listen, you're going to have to put on the whole armor of God. You're going to have to be prepared for this, that hell is not easily won. That you're gonna you're gonna have to be able to you're gonna have to be able to push and push against spiritual forces that that are way beyond your knowing or understanding, but you're capable and able to win to win the victory. And even now, as I read those words and I start thinking about how many times I've read these words and how many times I've looked at this scripture and how many times I looked at this passage, I said, God, have I received the same type of encouragement that those those colonists received when they maybe have read the words of a man who who didn't really know the totality of the circumstances that he was writing in when he wrote those let, those words that that listen that this is not the day for those who are fair weather, this is not the day for those who would who would just want to dress up and play soldier, this is not the day for those who would just want to participate in the parade but never really get into the battle. But we need everybody on board. We need everybody to, to pick up arms. We need everyone to, to count up the cost. We need everyone to engage. That if we're going to be free as a nation, everyone's going to have to fight. If we're going to be free as Christians, if we're going to stay free, everyone has to. 
Like, thank you. Come on, come on. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has to fight. This is, this is a part of uh, Paul's uh, ending. He's saying that everybody is going to have to realize that this is not something that you're going to be able to wrestle with your brother or your sister with. You're not going to be able to win this one because you're physically stronger than somebody else. You're not going to be able to win this one because you may have more in the bank account. You're not going to be able to win this one because you've got better pedigree. You're not going to be able to win this one because you know somebody else. Your relationships natural will not help you in this endeavor. That if we're going to be able to fight, we have to know first and foremost, if you're taking notes, my one point, the first point is engagement. You're going to have to be engaged. He says that you're going to have to stand against you're going to have to stand against, which means for many of us that we don't necessarily know exactly what we stand against. But, but, but he gives a long list of spiritual forces that, that the, the believer needs to know that you stand against powers and principalities and evil forces and darkness and rulers of this world, that, that you're standing against something, that there's a, there's a faction that are at fight, there's a factions that are at war, that you, are, you have an enemy whether you believe it or not, and if this... It's going to be one. It's going to require you to know that you're going to have to be engaged. So he starts with the heart. He says, listen, I'm going to stir your heart. I'm going to, I'm going to stir the heart of the soldier because if the soldier's heart is weak, it doesn't make a difference how much armor he has on. <laughs> Anybody say amen to that? Weaponry. There is a, there is a holy armory. There's a place where you can go and get a lot of weapons, but if you don't have your heart right, if you haven't really felt like that this is the place that you're supposed to be, it doesn't make a difference how much I tell you stuff that you have access to. And he begins to start first and foremost saying that you must be strong in the Lord. Being strong in the Lord is a position of the heart. He's saying that you got to first and foremost have your heart dialed in and committed to the fact that God has called you. Not only has he called you, but he has called you to the victory. So you have to engage from that place first being in the heart. You can't just be excited because everything looks cool and you like to wear all the stuff. Some people look at that. Well, who's got the better uniform on? Well, well, well what, 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 what would be most convenient for me? And Paul says, let's not even play that game. Let's first start first and foremost by saying that we have to make sure that when, when all the fiery darts, when all the opposition, when all the tension, when all the frustration, when scarcity creeps in, when nights get cold, when it's not easy being a soldier, that you've settled it in your heart that that's who you are. When it's not easy, you settled it in your heart that's who you are. Thomas Paine kind of takes some of the same things in, in his letter. He says, he says, this is not the time for people who are just looking for it easy. This is not time for the people who are looking for an easy route. It's not 80 degrees and a nice breeze out of the south. But it's cold. My fingers are numb. My feet are cold. And you know how you get when you get cold. You get all crazy when you get cold. You know it. But he said, this is a type of idea that we have to have that you've got to realize this is a heart position before it's anything else. And the scripture says that he says that we have to stand against. And we use the same words again and again, that we have to stand against something. What are you against? More importantly, what are you willing to stand against? I know I've been this way before. I've been against some things, but I've been silent in, in my opposition to them because I was too afraid. Silent in my opposition to some things about how we treat our children. Silent in my opposition to some things about how we treat women. 
silent into my opposition on how we deal with uh, those who are less less fortunate than us, silent in my ways on how I deal with people who are south of the border, silent on how I deal with all these things. I, I stand against some things, but I stand against those things silently. And the scripture here, what we're seeing is that we have to stand against those things and we know that we stand against them, but we're not to be silent in those things. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're at war. Do you hear what I'm saying? We are at war. Do you hear what I'm saying? You are at war. You are at war for your home, you're at war for your house, you're at war for your family, you're at war for your health, you're at war for everything. And for you to know one thing and one thing only today, the very first thing you need to know is that you are engaged. You need to be engaged. Paul is calling for people to be engaged, to stand against, to stand against. I just thought to myself, stand against what, Paul? Because I have no idea. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of things I can't see in the spiritual realm. He said, but you need to have a conversation with the people about the spiritual implications of what's going on, that the enemy has schemes. He's got schemes. He's, he's, he's cunning. He's slick. He's tricky. He likes to give false positives. He likes to give you that false finish line that you feel like you've made it, you've arrived, and so you could take your lead, build bigger barns. He said, no, 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 it's not that. He says, you got to realize that his schemes are schemes that are sometimes sub subvert. You don't, know, you don't even know that they're really his schemes. Can I give you some examples of what some schemes are of the enemy today? A scheme of isolation. You feel like that as long as it's not happening at your address, as long as it's not happening at your church, it's not happening in your neighborhood, it's not happening to your husband, your wife, your children, your school, as long as it's not happening to your children, you, you, you're okay, right? Somebody say scheme. Scheme, that's a scheme, that's a scheme, that's a scheme. Another scheme is that we don't communicate, we don't talk. I'm unwilling to hear another person's perspective, position, I'm unwilling. I just, there's a scheme out there that somehow says that I can't talk to anybody else but people who agree with me and believe the same thing that I believe. Somebody say scheme. Yeah, it's a scheme. I like how you said it real soft, like a scary movie. Scheme. It's devilish. It's intentional. It's systematic. It's strategic. And it says that you don't have to be concerned about anything else but yourself. At the end of the day, underlying is pride. And we have to know that we're engaged in a fight. You have to know that there's something that you're standing against. Scripture says that Paul at one point in time said there's an open door of opportunity before me. But with every open door of opportunity, he says there have been great and many adversaries. That every time there's an opportunity for us to grow or take the next step, there's always many adversaries. And I believe that many, many of you in the room today have been, been witnesses of that. That I went to go do good, but evil was there too. Anybody can say amen to that? It just wasn't easy to do good. There was always some opposition there, something that was unseen, something I couldn't have ever quantified or calculated for. And what I want to share with you, those things that you can't calculate for, you can't put on paper, you can't describe, those are all spiritual forces working against you. Even now, as we're in this room, there's a fight in the heavenlies. Even now, there's people who are struggling for their very life in this room. And we don't know the source of it, but I can tell you this morning, the source of it is nothing other than the spiritual wickedness in high places that would want to see our demise and our destruction. 
Paul encourages the people of Ephesus, and he encourages us today by saying that you're in a fight, and you must first engage. Engage where? Well, let's go get all the equipment and look real good. No, you got to engage in your heart, and you got to sell in your heart that you will not allow this fight to go without you throwing a punch. You got to be able to say, I'm going to throw some punches in this thing. How many of you physically have ever been in a fight? Can I see your hands? Not many of you, huh? Let's get that all fixed. No, I'm playing with <laughs> we, won't, we won't go to the fight club right now. But what I want you to know is this, that you can't even come close to winning a fight unless you're willing to throw a punch too. I spent 17 years in law enforcement prior to retiring about a year or so ago. And there were, there were times when I did get into fights. There were times when I got into fights. Can you imagine that? People don't always want to go to jail. And so you got to sometimes fight people and, and wrestle them and force them into handcuffs, force them into the back of your car, force them into the jail cell, that it's just an amazing thing that people don't always want to be incarcerated. And, and in all of that, I realized that there were going to be some times that I was going to have to actually put up a fight, that I was going to have to fight to protect someone else or to protect myself. I was going to have to fight. And some of you today are wondering, can you get through this without actually fighting? Some of you are wondering if you could just be a really good talker and talk your way through this without actually having to fight. There are seasons when talking is good, but then there are seasons when fighting is necessary. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not going to be able to delegate your way out of it. You won't be able to just be able to talk your way out of it. You won't be able to, to vote the right idea in for you to get out of this idea of fighting. You can't do that. So I'll tell you a story. So I was chasing a guy one night, and uh, I was just sitting off of a stop sign, and he blew a stop sign, ran a stop sign, and he started going, and I turned on my lights and began to chase him. Uh, thinking he was going to pull over, but he didn't pull over. He kept driving. And we started going south of the county, and he was just driving, driving fast, driving erratic. Uh, he gets past Hayesville, and I'm driving and chasing him, and we, I got a whole caravan of people behind me. And by the time we get to our almost ending destination spot, I'm abbreviating the story. won't tell you everything that happened, but, but we get to this place that's unfamiliar to me. I don't know the place, but I know where I'm at just because of the turns left, right. We've went this far south, and there's a couple of people behind me telling other things that I can't keep track of while I'm trying to chase this person who's running away from me. We get to this point, this empty, vacant lot. The, the, the driver, right, the driver jumps out. I jump out of my car, give chase, and I'm running through a vacant lot into another neighborhood, another street, and it's dark, not well lit, and I'm chasing somebody. I have no idea who they are. I have no idea their skill set. I have no idea what weapons they may have on them. I have, I've got no idea uh, where they're running to. Maybe they're running to another group of people who are waiting for me. I don't know. So I'm running, and I, there's a lot that I don't know, but I'm just running anyway, which is kind of dangerous and scary all at the same time. And none of that really came into my mind as focusing that I was really in a real-life fight, and it may have been a fight for my life. I didn't know that until I actually caught up with the, the, the perpetrator, I put my hand on his shoulder to grab him and to pull him down to the ground. And as soon as my hand touched his shoulder, I realized something. I had not really prepared to do anything else other than to catch him. Like a dangerous game of tag, all I had prepared for in my mind was to just say, got you. Wouldn't that be so cool? Just to run up and just touch people and they'd be like, oh, freeze tag, you got me. I'm done. I'm done. You got me. I run, I catch, I touch, 
And then in that moment, you know how fast the mind processes information. I'm like, man, I'm breathing hard. I'm, I'm struggling here. I've been sitting in my car. It was a cold night. And now my lungs are on fire. My legs are aching. All this lactic acid is built up in my body. And I touch this young man's arm and I realize I'm going to have to fight him. I'm going to have to fight him. I had not prepared for that in my mind when I jumped out of my car. But now I'm in this moment. I'm going to have to fight him. And so then my energy and my focus went to the idea that I have to fight. I was engaged. I was engaged from the time I turned on my lights all the way to the time I touched him, but I wasn't aware of all the things that need to go into it before that moment. I believe that many of you are engaged and you don't know it. You don't know what you're going to do when you get there to that moment. You haven't really given that much thought. What you're going to do when you finally get the assailant, when you finally realize what's causing your angst, when you finally realize what your challenge is, when you finally get to the root, what are you going to do now that you know that your real issue is, is, is anger, now that you know that your real issue is greed, now that you know that your real issue is fear, what are you going to do now when you, when you lay hands on that idea and you're engaged, you touch it, what's going to happen next? So I won't tell you because... You know, I don't want to get in trouble, but, but we got him arrested. He, was, he got in handcuffs, and some people came right there shortly after, picked him and me up because I was struggling, <laughs> picked both of us up, and, and took us back to the car. And it took me forever to recover, I mean, physically about an hour because I was just so broke down, tired, and exhausted from all the adrenaline and everything else that was flowing through my body. And, 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 and you know what's funny? is that when I seen that young man later on, and every time I see him later on, he always laughs at and laughs at the fact that, oh, yeah, you caught me that one night, you know, like it was just all cool, right? But the truth of the matter is that could have been the very last day that I had on earth. Could have been the very last day. Many of you don't know. You're thinking and believing that you've got a lot of time. You'll fight that tomorrow. You'll get that taken care of next week. Some of you are waiting to New Year's because you're waiting for that New Year's resolution, that momentum of the New Year to really get a hold of that thing. Engagement. Engagement. Secondly, point two, my last point is this. Endurance. The first half of the, 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 these, these uh, verses that I've read, 10, 11, and 12, is all about you identifying your enemy and engaging. 13, 14, 15, 17, 16, 17, 18, are all about you being able to endure. He says, now that you have done this, you have to withstand. Not just stand, but withstand, which is a word that we use when we say, I'm going to have to withstand some things. It's going to be some endurance that are necessary, that you must, as the scripture says, endure hardness as a good soldier. That good soldiers have a level of endurance that is, it's necessary, that you just can't have a quick fight two or three jabs and you're done, but you've got to have a level of endurance that, that carries you through tough seasons and inclement weather and unforeseen things that it's required of you as a good soldier that Paul is now writing and he's finishing it up. He says, I want you guys to engage and I want you to endure. I want you to know that you can withstand. I want you to know that you can stand strong and stand firm and, and when you do everything else that you know how to do, you can still stand. You need to throw everything at this. Having done all means that I've thrown everything at it. Are there any kitchen sink Christians in the room that you throw everything at it? I'm not leaving anything for reserves. 
I'm not believing that I need to keep a couple of ammo for a little ammo for later on, but I'm throwing everything I have at this particular enemy, believing that my supply chain will never run dry, that God knows how to get me other things I need as I need them. And I'm throwing everything at this particular ill, this particular situation, this particular circumstance. And that's what I want to share with you this morning is that you need to know that God has it's challenged you, yes, to engage, but also to endure. And he's given us, he's given us an outfit to help us endure. Have you ever watched superhero shows? They all have like a special thing, right? And sometimes, you know, the, there's a coming of age in every show. Like Spider-Man has this nasty, hand-sewn, like sock puppet outfit that he wears. And then all of a sudden, you know, Mr. Stark brings him one that's a little bit more, more matured and more developed that really takes him to the next level and you know he's ready, right? And it's the same way with us that God is saying, okay, now that I've, I've challenged you, I said you have to, to engage, and now I'm telling you to endure. Let me share with you what I've given you to help you do those things so that you would endure. And then the list goes down. And you're probably wondering, like, why won't you go to the list and talk a little bit more about the list? Because the list is something that you and your pastor can talk more specifically about. Because if we stay just focused on the list and the individual stuff and we don't realize that what comes before it and what comes after it are really important too, We'll get distracted at saying we got a really cool gun or really cool swords. We got really cool helmets, really cool shields, really cool belts, really cool boots and sandals or whatever else you may want to call them. That all that stuff looks really good. But remember, if you don't have the heart condition right, it doesn't matter. All dressed up and nowhere to go. All dressed up and unwilling to pull the trigger. All dressed up and afraid to engage. But Paul says that the people of God, that even when you start engaging, do you know that this will not be a fight that's quickly and easily won? Do you know that? Some of you in the room have been fighting for years for a thing. Fighting for your marriage, fighting for your children. You got a wayward child. They, they've been strung out on something, out in the world, not, not, not calling on the name of the Lord. Some of you in the room right now struggling with an opportunity, maybe a business engagement, a business deal, a business partner. You're struggling in the area. I've been working with this thing again and again and again, and, and you may be just at the point to where you're feeling like I'm just going to give up, or maybe I want to throw in the towel, but I'm here to tell you today, don't you dare give up. Don't you dare quit, because God has conditioned us to be people who endure. Endure. Through your prayer life, endure. Endure together with the believers, endure. So all of this terminology and all these weaponry and all these tools are similar to that of the Roman soldier. The Roman soldier, it was believed to be that the Roman soldiers were almost invincible when they worked together and they chose to join their shields and they were in synchronization and unison in their efforts, almost near invincible. And it was a shame. Check this out. None of the weaponry has anything to do with the rear guard. It was a shame if you, if you acquired a wound from the back because that means that you were running and you weren't facing the thing that was before you. Working in unison, not by yourself, because some of you are saying, Pastor, I feel alone. I, I understand that. I get that. You don't understand how alone I feel. There's no one, no, no one else my age who understands what I'm going through. People don't know what I've been dealing with. You don't know what people have been saying to me. You don't know what I've been thinking about. You don't know what I've been dealing with. And I'm telling you that you don't have to do it alone. That when we choose to stand together in this fight, that this will not be hero ball. No one's going to do it by themselves. But we're going to have to do it together and in unison. And that means that we're going to have to lock arms and come into agreement. And we're going to have to stand together because there's power in agreement. 
and we choose to fight together. And in us fighting together, we quench fiery darts and we overcome every scheme and every trick of the enemy. These schemes are just methods that the enemy uses again and again. And he chooses to use those on people who are, who are sometimes laxed and asleep. The worst thing that we can do is have all this ability and be asleep when we should be awake. Endurance. What has God called you to endure? What is he calling you to do now? You've engaged, and now God's saying, okay, endure. Are you going to be the type of people who can be accounted for? Are you going to be the type of person who says, you know what? I know that this fight has to be won, and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to join in, and I'm going to do the very best I can. I won't sleep on it. The last verse in verse 18, you'll see that there's a conversation about prayer. I oftentimes invite, invite this particular portion of Scripture into the weaponry of the believer. It goes through a whole bunch of things, and then at the very end, 18, it says, but, but what you have to pray and continue to pray. I know that prayer is a weapon, so I just make it, the list goes from six to seven for me, that it just makes a real nice spiritual number, right? That, we gotta, that prayer is a weapon, that if people do not pray, that this is a, a, a spiritual fight, that I cannot win it by just saying that I'm going to move these things here and move these things here. Have you ever done that? I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to kick this, this eating habit. I'm going to take all the donuts out of the house. Right? Is there anybody else that have that struggle? Nobody? Okay. All right, you guys are healthy, fit, well engaged. I, 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 just moving them out of a house is not enough. Right? Because guess where they got donuts? Church. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> They got church. It's like kryptonite. They got, them, they got them at church. They got them at Quick Trip. They got them at the grocery store. They got them, they got them everywhere. There's donuts everywhere, right? So you think you're just going to be able to move it out of the way. And you're not, some of you, you got, a, you got an eye that's wondering. You like looking at the female body or the male body. And you, you're saying, like, all I got to do is just put it away. And you think that it's not going to require you to change something. You're not going to be able to do something different. You just moving it away won't be enough. Physically, I'm going to change some things. That's good. That's a start. But if you don't begin to call upon the name of the Lord, if you don't begin to cry out to God, if you don't begin to confess his word over your situation, your circumstance, if you don't say something, silent but deadly doesn't count in this situation. That's not a Christian. You got to say something. You're going to engage, you're going to endure. That means you're going to have to say something. You're going to stand against something. You're going to confess something? You're going to fight for something? You're going to believe something? You're going to have to say something. That everybody in the room is going to have to take a time to say something. And that may mean that as we, as we as Christians, this should be a house of prayer, we pray very little. We pray very little for people who realize that what Paul says is true, that we can't win it through the natural. Then what do we do? We have to go to the spiritual realm, which means I have to say something. I have to speak words. So when Jesus' disciples came to him and asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, when you pray, say. When you pray what? Say. That it can't be that you're going to just keep it all silent, internal. Mm. I'm so deep. Mm. I'm just really praying really strong right now for you. Mm. But you do what Jesus did. He prayed aloud. You do the same thing because there's power in your words. And so don't you dare in this season think that you're going to be able to just go on bending knee or, you know, I'll pray for you. And you're not really saying anything. I've done that before. Anybody ever said that? 
I'll pray for you. And you didn't pray for him. Is there anybody else like that? I've done that. I'm putting you on my list. And you know, good and well, you don't have a list. <laughs> Am I the only one? I know I'm telling myself as a pastor, I don't have a big old list somewhere where I just, like Santa Claus putting people's names all over the list. I don't have a list. What I got to do is I got to pray for you right then in the moment. I don't have to take a two-hour prayer session to pray for you, but I can pray for you right there in the moment. And, and I can get in my car and pray for you because this is, this is what it's going to take for us to win. The battle has been won, right? Yeah. But there's individual, the war has been won, but there's individual battles in there that we've got to be able to, to lay hold to the victory and occupy until he comes. And that means that there's Christians and believers who are going to have to speak God's word. You're going to have to speak it. You're going to have to confess it. You're going to have to declare it even when you don't feel it. That the only way that you're going to endure is because you've got a prayer life. Can I tell you every time I've ever fallen into sin, listen to me, every time I've ever fallen into sin, every time I've ever fallen into a bad, broken pattern of behavior, every time I begin to believe a lie, every time I've, I've adopted a poor mindset, poor self-image, every time I've, I've went back into some seasons of my life and, and lived in the past, every time something negative or a, a bad in my life has steered up and reared up in my life, guess what it was on the heels of? of me having a weak prayer life. A weak prayer life was an entry and a doorway for all the spiritual strongholds to come into my life. And I'm sharing this with you today because I don't want you to think that there's something that's special about the pastorate. There's nothing special about this position that prevents me from being at war too. And I'm here sharing it to you because I want to shine light on the enemy's schemes. That you think that you're going to be able to get stronger and better without prayer. And that's just a lie. It's just a lie. You may have to calendar it. You may have to put it in, in some type of bold print on your refrigerator, whatever you got to do. But we cannot survive and endure without it. So here's what I'm going to end with with this. The challenge has been laid. And I ask a question. Are you engaged? Are you engaged? Do you know who your enemy is? Do you know how to fight? Do you realize that this is a close quarters fight? That Paul said we wrestle. This isn't something long range, but this is something personal. It gets right in there and you wrestle and you, you feel that pressure, you feel that strain. Are you engaged? Are you prepared to endure? You believe in God for the strength to endure. Are you declaring God's word? As the musicians come, I want you to think about this clearly. What does it mean for us to be a people who are engaged and enduring? We've been asleep long enough. We've been letting other people do long enough. We've been, we've been, we've been asleep long enough. Do you hear me? Paul ends his letter like that so clearly that it is a time and a place for all of us to wake up and finally hear this petition. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might.